Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki. Hello, everyone. Hi, Pete. You feeling good? I'm feeling great. Happy almost Thanksgiving or uh, if it's it next is. week, uh, happy last week Thanksgiving. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's this, right. Uh, time is doing what it's doing over the holidays, but we're very excited to be here, and uh, and thank you all for uh, joining us. We've got a terrific conversation today with somebody uh, for whom we uh, have a great uh, uh, fandom. Uh, so I'm very excited uh, to talk to our guests. We're going to be talking about uh, the stress of parenting, ADHD parenting, the stress of just living through the times through which we live, Pete gestures broadly. Uh, and uh, we're going to be doing it with our fantastic guest today. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we'll send you an email with the latest episode each week. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, if you found that you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. For a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Dr. Sharon Salinas focused her work on ADHD, anxiety, learning differences, and mental health challenges and their impact on school and family dynamics for over 30 years. She's channeled this experience into and expertise into her book, What Your Child Wishes You Knew, Working Together to Empower Kids for Success in School and Life. And she recently published the ADHD Solution Deck, 50 Strategies to Help Kids Learn, Reduce Stress, and Improve Family Connections. As we move into the winter months, the wake of the pandemic is always just ahead of us. Thrilled to have Dr. Celine here to talk about ADHD parenting under stress, particularly when COVID comes home. Sharon Celine, welcome to the ADHD podcast. 
Thank you for that beautiful introduction, Pete. And hello, Nikki. It is wonderful to be here. I'm really excited to hang out with you. I just have one correction that my book title is called What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew. (laughs) You know what? It's ADHD. It's just kind of relevant to the topic. It's literally (laughs) written right there in my notes. And I, you know, selective words, I guess, this morning. I apologize. Uh, But thanks for the correction. It works. It works. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. And, you know, both uh, Pete and I are parents of uh, children with ADHD, teenagers, which uh, I have a lot of questions about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure as we will get into Mm -hmm. the conversation. Um, But, you know, the first thing I want to ask you that I'm really curious about is we have kind of pre-COVID you know, right? Like we think about pre-COVID and we think about ADHD and and the stress that parents had, you know, before COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And then now we're looking at being in the middle of this pandemic and we have new stresses, different stresses. And I'm curious you know, how and what you are seeing different now mm-hmm. than maybe before we were in the, you know, in the, <laughs> in the before times. The end before yeah. the yeah, I've yeah, exactly. Hold on, wait, I, can I remember those times? <laughs> I know right. it really is. If it is, so I think I'm you know, I'm just gonna say that, um, let's just move from March forward. So, yeah. what happened in March was crisis management. We were all, you know, tr- living under something we didn't understand, and we were either you know, with crisis parenting. Um, I, I was telling Nikki and Pete before we started that my youngest child uh, is twenty; she turned twenty-two recently, but so she was twenty-one when this started. Junior in college. Um, my oldest uh, is uh, twenty-six, and um, and and for her you know, my daughter who's 22 now, the loss of college and the college experience was so traumatic um, and profound in a way. And having to move back home, which was absolutely the last place she ever wants to live. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm a bit <laughs> Right. Oh, no, I get it. Yeah. For the record, correction for the record. <laughs> I am her parent. Yeah. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> And so, you know, for parents of, of school-aged children, you know, par- you were all, we were all, because I still have, you know, she's older, but she's still mm-hmm. school-aged. You know, we were all like, you know, flying by the seat of our pants. What do we do? How do we keep safe? Uh, what does it mean? No one, you know, there was sort of a novelty to online school. It was mm-hmm. a little exciting. That has totally worn off. I right. mean, you know, online school now and, you know, even hybrid school, it's, it's, it, people don't exactly know how to do it. Um, if you send your kids to an independent school, you, your child, your children may well be attending school because they have the means and space to make accommodations. Public schools are doing the best they can. It depends, of course, where you live. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, some schools are hybrid, some schools are fully remote, and some schools are in person. And all of those different configurations affect parents of kids who are alternative learners very differently. Um, I would say that the number one thing that we are all dealing with is anxiety, that increasing levels of anxiety in every way, and depression. 
Mm-hmm. Either mm-hmm. low levels of just unhappiness, um, and and uh, when those low levels combine with helplessness and uh, a lack of hope about when things are going to change, and this is specifically uh, true for kids who have ADHD, they, they're very much in the present. It's a now, not now mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. Seeing that sometime in the future we'll be able to go back to school is absolutely meaningless. Because yeah. the now is what is consuming them every day. And that's just true for kids in general mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, in, in certain ways. Because as kids age, they begin to understand the future, neurotypical kids. Um, but right now, for many kids, we're seeing regressions in their mm-hmm. behavior, more anger, a lack of ability to think about the future, a disappointment when they look into the future. If you're a senior and if you have a senior in high school who's and your parent, you know, college, what to expect? Is it going to actually be college? Will it be a gap year? We don't know. So there's yeah. so much uncertainty that we're standing in and that just fuels anxiety. I wonder yes, if absolutely. it's interesting on that, on that point. I, you know, I'm watching my kids and I, you know, particularly my younger one, and both of my kids are diagnosed. Uh, I've got one who's doing her freshman year in high school or a freshman year in college uh, remote, never had the college mm-hmm. experience to lose. And mm-hmm. while there's a lot of disappointment yeah. in not going, mm-hmm. I honestly think it's been easier for us than, than uh, you know, others like like you in your case where the kids had it and then had to come home, have it, you know, snatching right. defeat. And then lost right, it. From the yeah. jaws mm-hmm. of victory. I, it's interesting watching my son uh and and so to sort of set the table on my concept I'm workshopping here, like we have this entire educational culture that in some way, shape or another is trying to learn to do a new thing. It's not sending kids mm-hmm. to school where their teachers are teaching them to do a new thing. The teachers don't know how to do this either yet. And right, they have right. a growing facility and technology is coming along now that it's been so, you know, as many months as it has. But my sense is that my son observing the chaos in the classroom of everybody learning together has been increasingly disconnected uh, as a result of some of those ADHD behaviors. Like, it is easier for him to let the distractions in uh, than it has ever been before. And I'm, so I have been putting that on the the sort of the back of the ADHD behavior set, um, recognizing that it's hard for everyone at sublevel to to stay focused. Uh, are you seeing that sort of const- construct as well? Yes. Um, how old is your son? He is a freshman in high school. So 14. So he's a yeah. freshman in high school. So they're four years apart. Yep. My kids are also four years apart. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, uh, of course, I'm I'm seeing many ki- many teenagers in particular who had adapted to a certain level of services at, at, with school or a certain routine in learn in how they paid attention and how they were able to attend to um, schoolwork and classes in person, struggling with the shift. And they're struggling with the shift because the normal um, signals and dynamic that would help them get through a a, a class period, you know, social cues, like everybody's doing their work. Okay, I better sit here and nobody else is, you know, looking all around or talking. I, I have to, you know, continue to refocus or I miss something that she said, hey, what was that? You can't really do those things online. And so it, it's it's not only isolating, but the, the way that your child has learned 
is, is uh, to uh, to adapt, to um, to focus, to refocus. He's lost those opportunities. It's interesting because I have a 18 year old senior and I have a 15 year old freshman, and my son, who's the senior, does not have ADHD but does have anxiety, and mm-hmm. uh, my daughter has both, and depression. And what we noticed in our household is after March especially in the summer when they found out that they weren't going to be going back to school Mm -hmm. for my daughter, the depression just got worse Mm -hmm. and worse and worse. And the isolation got worse and Mm -hmm. self-confidence got lower. And I think that part of it too was, um, her friendships, you know, weren't being, um, tended to, right. Because you don't have that social piece. Um, and so, with her, I don't think it was her ADHD that really got in the way. It was the depression and anxiety that got worse. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you something about my son that really surprises me. Um, and, and really gives, I, it just really gives me a lot of compassion to other families. He mm-hmm. was a 4.0 student. He was driven. He had great grades all the way until his senior year. And then mm-hmm. this last semester, the yeah. lack of accountability of not having to be in school and being able to just wake up five minutes before class Mm -hmm. and turn on the computer, you know, um, it was awful. It was a huge challenge. I mean, he barely passed. Mm -hmm. And I think about the kids who, um, you know, were having trouble in school and how that must affect them. I'm, I don't know where the question is here, but I guess as a parent, it's stressful. Like you worry about them. You wonder like, you know, um, I don't know. I I don't, it's just, I got a question related to exactly that, which is, you know, we've spent a lot of time thinking about and hearing about all the things that our kids have lost through this. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so my question is, is there a way to compensate in some even small fashion, uh, for these things that they've lost? Like, how do we meet Mm -hmm. some of those needs, those behavior needs, those social needs, those reading the room needs, uh, in the spirit of, you know, healthy ADHD, uh, you know, keeping our ADHD brains healthy and thriving Mm -hmm. in this context. So those are two very interesting and different points. And to your point, Nikki, what I want to say is that there have been many sort of um, driven, high-functioning academic uh, kids who have struggled uh, because the things that fed them in school are absent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, online school, with the exception of some kids who are on the autism spectrum disorder or really are, have, have so much social anxiety that actually not going to school is a relief. For most kids, missing school is, a, is, is huge for them. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think that, um, you know, that there's a way, you know, where you've sort of lost your footing. You've lost what was kind of helping you, you know, keep going. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you replace that? 
And I think that's about um, setting new kinds of expectations together with your kids. You know, um, in my book, What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew, I talk about the five C's of ADHD parenting, and it's also in my cards. And the first, you know, self-control, compassion, collaboration, consistency, and celebration. And that collaborative piece is more important now than ever before. Because what we want to do is we want to sit down with our kids and say, okay, this isn't the way that you hoped it would be or the way you'd like it to be. What, how can we recalculate, just like our GPS says, what are the new goals we're going to set together? And I think that that process can be very helpful for, for all kinds of learners mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. right now, and particularly alternative learners. Maybe the goal isn't all A's. Maybe the goal is all B's right now. And, yeah. you know, I have to believe that colleges are going to take all of this into account. People are worried about college applications and where their kids are going to go to college. And to me, I feel like, you know, that's, that is a valid concern. You know, you want your kids to go to college, but we don't even know what college is going to look like. I I was talking to a friend of mine whose, um, you know, whose daughter was a freshman at actually a university and, you know, she spent a lot of time in her room. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of time in her room alone and eating alone, and mm-hmm. you know she can't wait to go home because she's like, Ugh. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yet that's what she knows college to be. Oh, so, it's just um, heartbreaking. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it is. So you know, I, I'm trying to find the silver lining here. I'm really trying, and I feel like the silver lining is that um, there is more family time. There is more time for parents to work on their attunement with their kids, uh, their, uh, basically their relationship, and and finding things that you enjoy to do together. And yes, there's too many screens. I get it. But, you know, have your kid teach you how to play their favorite um, video game, computer yeah. game, or pick a show that you're going to watch together. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, or, or pay, play a regular old board game or, mm-hmm. you know... Come up with a list of some things you can do together. Maybe it's plant, you know, herbs in a pot for the winter in your house so you have fresh basil. Or um, maybe it's, um, um, you know, planning the Thanksgiving meal together, Mm -hmm. Um, which, of course, after this is aired, will Thanksgiving will have passed, but Christmas and and Hanukkah (laughs) are coming, coming, Kwanzaa. So plan your meals together. You know, think, really sit down and think about given our constraints, what actually would bring us some joy. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that I keep thinking myself and and try to relate to to my family too is this will pass. This is not going to be forever, you know, and and we kind of make the joke about, you know, what the history books are going to (laughs) say and how you can talk to your children about, oh, I lived through that. I remember right. that very clearly, exactly. uh, but trying to to take it day by day and being, being optimistic. There was a handout that you have, and I am so curious to, to know about it. You, uh, it says you can't stop anxiety. You change your relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Please tell us about that. Well, I would be happy to offer that as a downloadable to your subscribers. Oh, that would be great. would like me to do that and we can talk offline about Mm -hmm. it. So the thing about anxiety is uh, anxiety is a shapeshifter. 
So you're anxious about one thing, you figure out what to do about that one thing, and boom, you're anxious about something else. Do you ever see this with your kids? Whack-a-mole. Oh, I see it with my kids and and myself. (laughs) And myself. Exactly. It's whack-a-mole, right? You're playing, oh, I got this. Oh, there's another one. Oh, Oh, you know. And the thing is, we have to look at the process of anxiety, not the content. The content will continue to change. It's how you respond to your anxiety and how you talk to your worries that actually makes a difference. And so this idea that we're going to pay attention to the process, not the content, is critical because one of the things that happens with kids is they come to you. They want you to reassure them. They want you to fix what they're anxious about. And you have your own limits right? Mm -hmm. And you can't make things go away. You can't protect them from life. Life has its challenges, its rewards. Um, it has its, um, it's, it's joys and it also has its disappointments. And a lot of anxiety is about, uh, the false alarm of avoiding disappointment right? I don't want to be disappointed. We don't want you to be disappointed. You're sad. And and it's not that I think that kids should be disappointed 24-7. But yeah. if, we, if, if I ask you, Nikki, or you, Pete, you know, what was something challenging for you growing up that you had to overcome? What would you say? Definitely the social aspects of it, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, the caring so much about what other people think and where you Mm. fit in and do you want to be what what group you kind of want to be in you know and for Mm -hmm. me I didn't want to be part of the popular group I wanted to be something different and more more individual but even in that that was hard Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. how about you Pete for me it was absolutely yeah I mean it was it was and and so much of it is colored by my ADHD diagnosis so you know you ask that question the first thing that pops into my head is uh, living through undiagnosed ADHD through middle school and high school and having nobody understand what was going on in my head like just completely Mm -hmm. missing it and as a result to Nikki's point I found myself taking it like separating from uh, others, you know, going toward activities and sports that were that that gave me more time to be alone because I didn't feel mm-hmm. I could li- could live up to anything else. Mm-hmm. Right, and that makes me feel sad. Parenthetically, um, and what I'm okay I now. Say is, like I really am fine. You, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I was bullied when I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. We moved to a new town, and oh. I was bullied. Oh, really badly actually mm-hmm. i mean people put worms in my lunch they spit on oh, me goodness. just because i was just as smart as benji yeah you know who turned out to be a total jerk <laughs> but whatever yeah, right. and um and uh it was horrible and would i wish that on my children no did that form did that have a did that impact me in some way yes it did yeah. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. and it, it, what it taught me was a lot of empathy. It taught me that, you know, I don't need to be one of the popular kids because my beautiful teacher, Mr. Telenoff, wherever you are, if you're still alive, he helped me. He put me, he put me in a group of four of three girls. We all had our seats, little desk together and they became my friends. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that really always helped me in the future when I didn't know people or I felt uncomfortable. It was like, well, who are my friends? Let me focus on that. Mm -hmm. So this is a long-winded answer to say that 
Um, we are, our goal when dealing with anxiety is to build resilience. Resilience is the antidote to anxiety. And the way we're going to build resilience um, is not through reassurance, even though that's what we want to do. We want our kids to say, I, I'm afraid to go to school. I don't want to go to school. We want to say, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine. That yeah. actually makes anxiety worse. It sure what does. We, we <laughs> want to say is, of course, you're worried about going to this new middle school this year. Mm-hmm. You've never done that before. It's natural to worry in that situation. Let's think of some things you could say to kids that might help you feel better, or you could say to yourself. And learning to be able to talk to ourselves to talk ourselves down from the ceiling when we're anxious, to know what we need to say when we're walking into a, a new work situation or um, you know a new social situation where we don't know a- anybody. Like, you know, okay, I'm a little nervous. That's good. It means I'm alive. I'm right, feeling right. some energy. And I'm going to tell myself that I have something to offer because I know I do. And then that allow that's that's the reassurance we want to teach our kids, self-reassurance. And oh. that actually leads to resilience because you can't be around your kids all the time to tell them things are going to be okay, Mm-mm. right? So the first thing is they have to learn how to talk to themselves. And the second thing is they have to actually basically tolerate the disappointment. They have to strengthen that disappointment muscle because it's being able to say, okay, you know, I'm going to try this. It might work out. It might not work out, but I know that I'll be okay because I've been okay before. Mm -hmm. And the following thing in my long-winded answer here is that anxiety gives us amnesia for our previous successes. So Mm -hmm. we can't remember when we succeeded or what we did well, or what was that thing I said that time that was so good, you know? So we want to be able to help our kids identify those kinds of successes. Put a big post-it on your, on your refrigerator with some of those so that you can refer back to it. Or maybe have a wall of small post-its of, of little successes that they can accumulate each week. And at the end of the week, you could take them down, but they could see what's gone well. Mm-hmm. These all help us um, you know, reduce the power of anxiety. I'm going to have to re-listen to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is so helpful because I I can tell you it's so I mean just living with anxiety myself it's I I couldn't sleep very well last night, right? So I had a really bad night of sleep. Mm-hmm. And the first thing my I'm Sorry. Yes, <laughs> and the first thing my husband asked, who does not live with anxiety, mm-hmm. uh said, "So, what were you worried about? What were you thinking about?" I don't know. Everything, <laughs> anything. I mean, <laughs> that I couldn't sleep, that mm-hmm. I could sleep. I had this interview that I have a full schedule. I have to do Thanksgiving. Oh, but, you know, I mean, everything. It's like you can't mm-hmm. really name it. And, um, you know, and then having somebody, he didn't say this because he knows me well enough not to say this, but I could see where you could easily say to somebody like a, a child, you'll be okay. Don't worry about it. It's a new day. You'll be fine. Like, and you, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't help, but I love how you recognize the resilience that it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to be upset that this isn't going my way. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then having that 
talk with myself that, well, I can take a nap if I need to, or I'll probably get a really good night's sleep tonight because I'll be tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it switches mm-hmm. the script for sure. Well, and absolutely. When that voice says, you know, you can't sleep, you can't fall asleep. You know, I have 10 year olds telling me they have these voices and yeah. the thing that they have to, you know, what are we going to say to that voice? What are some actions you could do? You know, are, do you have insight timer? Can you do a meditation? Is there a book that you, you know, a book near your bedside that you could read to distract yourself because anxiety doesn't want you to be distracted. Anxiety wants you to actually bend to the powerful negative statements it's saying. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. this ties right into your first C, and I wonder if you could reflect a little bit more about it in this context, right? That learning mm-hmm. to manage mm-hmm. your own feelings so that you can act effectively for, and and in your parlance, and teach your ADHD child. But, you know, for so many of our, our listeners, adults who are living with ADHD as well, like learning to manage their own feelings so that they can act effectively, full stop, right? in a, a state of stress and duress. Um, how does how does this apply for you? Well, that's a really good question, Pete. And I think they are ab- absolutely tied because what they're tied by is tr- are triggers. You know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you're triggered, like Nikki was saying, or I mean, Nikki, I can mm-hmm. call you 5 a.m. anytime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe two nights ago, for sure, not last yeah. night, um, because I had that rebound, I'm so tired thing. Um, so uh, we want to identify the triggers. And the thing is, anxiety has um, some pr- often predictable triggers. You know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you haven't had time during the course of a day to deal with a problem, it will come visit you in the evening for some people. Um, and so... Uh, And that also goes with how we're going to manage ourselves when we're awake and conscious and we have big feelings. So what we want to do is to identify what the triggers are and how we're going to identify them is maybe by content, but primarily through our physiological response. What are the signs in our bodies that we're heading toward that cliff where we're going to drop off and say things and act in ways we don't really want to? And we do that and we can help kids do this too, you know. It does your does your stomach tighten? Do you get a, a you know? Do you get a shortness of breath? Does your head start to hurt? Are you clenching your jaw? What are some of the signs that something's going on for you? You may not know what that something is, but if we know what to do about those body signs, that will help. And so, what we want to do when we notice that we're we're you know, we're revving up or someone else is revving up, that we want to slow things down. That's how we start to exert self control. What are, we want to have a list of things that we can do to help us calm down. Maybe we want to wash our hands or splash our face with water. Maybe there's a couple songs on our uh, on our playlist that really help us get centered. It's like the inverse um, trigger. Want... You're fine. You're pre programming exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe I'm just going to go outside and walk up and down my driveway so I could get some fresh air. You know, what are these things? Maybe I just want to sit down with my dog, you know, and pet my dog and tell him that I love him and, mm-hmm. and that he knows exactly what's going on for me. So we want to identify those triggers and we want to have a, a calm down time, a calm mm-hmm. down plan. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, we want to have a few different options because if you're at the grocery store and you're suddenly like in a panic about something, you're not going to be able to lie down on the floor with your dog. Right. right. 
So what right. are you going to do in that moment? What are you going to say to yourself? Do you need to just leave your cart by the door and go outside, take some deep breaths? What are your options? What's the 50 strategies? That, no, well, don't tell me what all 50 strategies are. <laughs> We've been here all day. <laughs> But this ADHD solution deck, I'm really curious about what that I, is. You yes. know, I was looking what at this. This? It, you, this published in March of this year. Is that incredible? Yes. Like, talk about a silver lining. Is that just good timing? Yes. No kidding. This, was my, this deck is my silver lining. There you go. Yeah. So um, what I love about this deck is that it's it's a different way of getting information right? Particularly for people with ADHD who may not read that book that is really great, but they Mm -hmm. just may not get to it or they'll read one part of it. This card deck, you can either work your way through the five C's all like, you know, one card at a time. I'm just going to do self-control. Then I'm going to do celebration. Or you can just say, I'm going to, I'm stressed out. I'm very angry at my child. I can't remember why I like them. I'm going to pick a compassion card. (laughs) Because maybe I need a little more compassion. And this compassion card says, nurtured non-academic talents. And each card has a quote from a child, a challenge, and a tool Hmm. so that you could use that. And so that is a little hint of what's here. Or let's say, you know, your child has not been really able to do, um, you know, to follow through and do things that you would like to do. We're going to focus on celebration because the positivity ratio, according to Dr. Barbara Fredrickson and her colleagues, should be three positives for every negative. And most of the people I talk to who parent kids with ADHD or have ADHD themselves have told me that is not the ratio that they live with. No. You know, that a ratio is probably maybe one positive for 10 negatives every day or one child, one, sometimes kids, people say 20 and actually one, a set of kids I talked to in a high school in California once said to me that it was one to 30. And I said, wow, Wow. why? And she said, because it's the things other people say to me and the things I say to myself. myself. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So you need a celebration card because you're in a negative spiral. Mm -hmm. Review the day to accentuate the good stuff. Um, Before I go to sleep, Maya, age 13, says, dad comes in and we go over my day. He asks me for three goods in my day and then tells me his. We've been doing this since third grade. It's our private special thing. Wow. Mm, That's nice. I love that. Yeah. So these are just, you know, um, tools that you can use right away. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I love that it's not in a book form. <laughs> you know, right. because even with somebody who doesn't have ADHD, it's really difficult to go through a book um, mm-hmm. that is about all about ADHD and it's not very ADHD friendly to read in the first place. And I skip around and move around and uh, I, I love know. this. There yeah. are a lot of, a lot of books that way that are super helpful, but the, inf- yeah. they're so dense. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I hope that my book isn't like that for people. Um, that's part of why I put kids stories, real mm-hmm. stories in there, mm-hmm. because I think that breaks up the like, here's Absolutely. what you should do when this yeah. happens. And here's right. what you should do when that happens. Well, I, I uh, really, I really love the the whole conceit of it because i mean it's it's sort of the same way reason i i podcast right i just love the idea of Mm -hmm. of just how close we are to each other when i'm speaking and it's through Mm -hmm. headphones and Mm -hmm. there's a sort of intimacy there and i i i 
really find myself like uh, 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 falling for this idea of learning through your cards because of that sort of intimacy mm-hmm. of just there's this one thing. I just want you to think about this one thing, this one bit of compassion, this one way to relate to your child, this incredibly special human being in in a way that is is more nurturing, more intimate than than, you know, you could find flipping through another book. Uh, I just Absolutely. adore that. You could do that one celebration card for three yeah. months. You can right. just start the mm-hmm. ritual. And that that's something I wanted to say about dealing with anxiety. You know, um, uh, routines are very helpful at diminishing anxiety. And I think that's one of the reasons kids have struggled so much with online school is they've lost their routine. You know, if we think about ourselves as adults, you know, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I go to the bathroom, I put my, I I exercise and, you know, I'm lucky I have a little exercise machine in my basement. Um, My bike is on a trainer and I go down there and I watch, you know, Shit's Creek because I love this show (laughs) (laughs) um, or whatever. You know, I also just finished a great uh, movie, a documentary about Quincy Jones. Fantastic. Um, And, you know, then I come up, I take my shower and then I'm get dressed and then I'm ready to start my day. That's my routine. When I don't do those things, I feel all like discombobulated. And it's not because I have OCD. It's just that my routine grounds me. And I think that we have to really create routines with our kids right now that Mm make sense to them and what they need. Mm -hmm. Any, any interest in doing a, uh, a, a, or, or I guess I should ask you, what is you what is your thought on adults using the deck for themselves, not necessarily relating with yeah, kids? Absolutely. Let's talk, talk talk to us about how they can sort of uh, off label use the deck. Well, it's really <laughs> interesting because I have some um, young adults, emerging adults, who use this deck for themselves, yeah. and so. Um, I think what you're saying is like, where's my, where's my, where's my card yeah, deck? That's Sharon? exactly what I, I want. That my is. Adult <laughs> card Let me deck. just say, I want my adult card deck, Sharon. I'll just... Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I think that's a really good idea and I'll talk to them yeah. about it. Um, but in the meantime, you can do this absolutely because for example, this card says teaching verbal impulse control with weight now. Ivy, age 12, says, sometimes I interrupt too much. I speak out more at home than with my friends or at school. I can rein it in if I need to. So what's the challenge? The challenge is blurting things out, which causes difficulties at home or at work or with peers. You know, this is a school, but let's let's you know, we all let's just it. take a minute, dear listener, as an adult thinking about yourself with ADHD and wonder when's the last time you blurted something out? I can think of a lot for me just right now, just in the last 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> uh, Great. Yeah, that seems useful. So what we. What we want to use is what I call wait now. Why am I talking now? Why am I talking now? Uh, and so it took me um, a second to come we, back around to the fact that it was an acronym and now it is so beautiful. Wait now. Why am I talking now? <laughs> I'm going to use that everywhere. Exactly. Huh. Yes. So we want Why to reflect, you know, now? and we can reflect mid sentence. Like if we're saying something and people are looking at us a little bit, you know, skewed, we can be like, I think I'm going to stop talking now. Yeah. This this is a good thing to, to for us and it helps us build social confidence. I I go back And it's reading the room yeah, too. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. also a big part of it cuz I do Absolutely. a lot of group coaching and I can tell uh cuz sometimes I do have to kind of step in and 
you know, re-guide the conversation. But I think having that conversation with them at the beginning of, of mm-hmm. these cues and, and why am I talking now? It's beautiful because I think they really do start to kind of think, okay, what, what are other people, how are they responding to me? Are they looking mm-hmm. away? Are they still paying attention? What's happening? Read the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. This is wonderful stuff, Sharon. Where have you been all our lives? Seriously, why is it taking I'm so 10 happy years to, to be here. Show? You're great. Now and uh happy to come back anytime and talk about motivation, which is my second favorite oh, topic. Outstanding. Oh, boy. We'll have you back on that We're one because that's about a hot topic late for sure. Onset propulsion with Sharon Selena. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh what, what do you want to <laughs> exactly. what so we've we've talked about the book, the plug. What give us one thing, one thing you would like everybody to take away from our conversation mm-hmm. today, one key learning. What I would like everybody to take away from from this conversation is that we are all doing the best we can with the tools we have available to us in any given moment. So um, that's that's the compassion piece of the five C's. We want to be compassionate towards ourselves and our kids. When kids are dysregulated, when they're losing it, it's because they're overwhelmed and they, they don't have the coping skills to meet the overwhelm. And that's true for ourselves as adults. When we're overwhelmed, when we lose it, it's because we don't have the, we can't access the coping skills or the resources we need in that moment. So these are tense times. These are uncertain times. And what I'd like you to do first and foremost is be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Perfect, perfect way to wrap us up. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. So great to be here and meet you. I love talking with you guys, with but with you guys, and you know, just listening to your questions and your insights and your honesty about your lives. It's it's very it's very touching for me. Thank well, you. We consider this the first of many. Uh, we'd love to have you That's back. That's right. And thank you everybody great. for downloading and listening to this show. We so appreciate you. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, head over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Dr. Sharon Celine, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.